0: That I need God. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I can be nothing. Without him, I am nothing. Without him, I have no way. I have no truth. I have no life. Do you believe that? Like no way, no truth, no life. He is the way, truth, and life. Without him, we have no way, truth, or life. None. So do you have him? Praise God. You should be thankful because that means you get all of that too. Let's keep going. Through Christ, I find freedom. Through Christ, I find peace. Through Christ, I can do all things. I was made with purpose. I was made with a plan. My purpose is to know God and his plan is to know me. He did not create me for earthly pleasure, but I was created only because he is loving. By knowing that, I now confess my life is not my own. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. And so I surrender. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my will. I surrender my life. As long as now is now, say that again. As long as now is now, I will profess God has called me and chose me. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. You know, everything in that declaration is true. You know, you'll find it all through Scripture um, just this, this need for God, this desperacy for God. And what tends to happen with people, uh, all of us, not just people—I'm not saying this just as, it, as if it doesn't happen to me or hasn't happened to me—but what tends to happen to us as people, as we go through these cycles in our life, where we we need God. You ever really needed God? Like you're like, God, I need you now. If you don't show up right now, I'm toast. Right? Like I need you to show up for me. I need you. But then we get comfortable after that. We, we, he comes and he supplies our needs and everything is right, and we're like, dang, life's pretty good. This is cool, until we need him again. Now, I'm not okaying that process. I'm not saying that that should be happening, but I'm saying it does happen. I'm saying there's times in our lives when we're desperate for God, so desperate that then he shows up, and he really meets us. But then we get complacent, we get comfortable, we get lazy in our faith, whatever you want to call it. Some of us get overzealous. We get too, you know, focused on building something, doing something. Like, it just, we just get to a place where we feel like we don't need God no more. Overly confident or we become extremely comfortable. And then God smacks us off our horse again in love and says, do you remember you need me? They're like, oh, God. And then there comes a place, and, and this I really believe is the, the work of sanctification where you just need God. And, and you really don't have those hard swings anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you're not so easily thrown off course. You're, you're kind of at his feet all the time, and it's serious all the time. You're not just trying to have a good time in the Lord. You're trying to be with the Lord. It's different, right? Anybody been married a long time? You know what I'm talking about? You're done trying to have a good time in the marriage because, <laughs> like, we just going to do this, right? We just married. We going to finish this thing, right? But it's, it's no longer about trying, like, expos and, and trying to get away. And, and it's not about that anymore. Like, those are cool. I don't know if you've been there. I know me and Michelle have been there. It's cool. We've been to the beach. We go to the beach. We come home. It's like, yeah, that was cool, but I'm just glad to be with you. I'm just glad to do it all with you. I'm not trying to, like, live for the beach. I got to be careful because some of us are still there, right? Like, no, but I live for the beach, brother. That's, those are my best times with my family. Don't lie. You know you guys be arguing all the way. All right, complaining about the sand. you just complain about everything. <laughs> but it's like we get to these places where we see, okay, I need God. So my prayer today, uh, for the last four years, God has been having me toil the ground. I've been more of a preacher than I've been a teacher for four years. I've, I've been somebody who's been a, doing a lot of proclamation, a lot of exposing the heart, um speaking on things that I know are going to get me in trouble, but I know it's like God wants me to say these things. And that's been a lot of the ministry. We're coming into a time now where that's not going to necessarily stop. There's a place for it, but we need to start moving into some teaching. Meaning we have, the, the church is at a place where it's matured enough where teaching is actually going to be useful. What happens is most people come into a church and they're already being taught when they should be reached with the gospel first. They come and they start learning about spiritual warfare when they should be learning that they're actually in need of God. You see? So that can't completely stop. We, the Sundays and the, the live uh, uh, Facebooks and all that, it's so the gospel can be preached. That's why this exists. But we do have to have some teaching for the church because you have to grow and be equipped in your faith with God that you would go further into the things of God. And so um, this is the last sermon that I'm actually preaching on rebellion and repentance, and then we're going to move into a season of teaching on spiritual warfare. And I cannot wait for that because I feel like a couple things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to end up seeing how much warfare you're in. If you don't realize it, you're in a conflict, a serious conflict, a battle for your soul. For those of you that are saved, it's no longer a matter of, man, this is really good. I'm starting to feel the presence of the Lord. I may not even get into this message. For those who are saved, it's not really a matter of your soul being stolen anymore because God keeps you. He has you now. But what the enemy wants to do is make you ineffective as a believer. He doesn't want you effective as a believer. He just wants you, oh, saved? Cool. Now I'm going to stop you from saving other people. Now I'm going to stop you from preaching. I'm going to stop you from teaching. I'm going to stop you from believing. I just want you just, all you need is Christ. Cool, don't be effective though. And that can't happen. That can't happen. We must be an effective church. We must be passionate about the things of God. We, we must be real about it. It has to fuel us. There needs to be an expansion of the kingdom, and there needs to be an equipping of the people. Like it both has to happen. Spiritual warfare is on both sides, and the more you start talking about the truth, the more you start getting in trouble. I'm going to talk about this next week, and I'll just say it right now. The reason why preaching is so offensive to people is because it pulls back the covers on your heart, right? You're like, surprise, and you realize you're naked, and you're like, ah, right? That's what preaching does. Preaching exposes you before God, and If it's God's will, he'll expose you before people. So, preaching does that. Preaching exposes who we are. And so, people don't like that. They hate that. They like teachers because teachers tell you how to stay covered up. That's what these teachers are doing. Let me show you how to be a better person so you can cover up your life from all and not be a sinner, right? No, I'm a sinner. Tony's a sinner. I'm fully exposed as a sinner. I'm not going to deny that fact. If I say that I'm not a sinner, I make God a liar. I'm a sinner. I need God. Amen. Amen. And that's where we live, but people don't like that. So you see why preaching can be offensive is you start telling people that they're sinners and they're like, hey, back off, right? <laughs> back up, buddy, right? You're a sinner too. Yes, I am. So let's, let's talk about this, right? Teaching will equip you, though, how to stay in the light but be effective for Christ, And so I'm hoping that we can do that starting next week. But I'm going to tell you right now, the more you bring back the covers, the more you put the truth on it, the more opposition you're going to have, the more persecution you're going to have. There is no doubt about it. If you start blowing the whistle on the government today... If you start saying what it really is and you have proof and you start trying to raise awareness to the people of how they're being used and manipulated and you start pulling the curtain on the government, the government's going to shut down your bank account. They're going to arrest you. They're going to throw you in jail. They're going to do everything they can to make you look crazy because the closer you get to revealing how truthfully deceitful it is the more they're going to oppose you because they don't want people to be free. They want them to be oppressed. So when you have a real enemy that you're now saying, yeah, he's a liar, he's a cheater, this is how he acts, this is how he operates, this is who God is, then guess what the devil's going to do? You better be prepared to get flat tires every time you come to church. You know what I mean? Like he's just going to start throwing nails in the road. Stop! Because it's true. Amen? Amen? All right, so today... I want to talk to you about preachers and teachers. This is just going to kind of transition us, transition us into next week. Um, Ephesians 4, I want to start in verse 11. Father, I pray that I would not speak as just a man, but I pray with all of my heart that you would use me for your will, that your spirit would flow through me, that you would remove Tony, and that the Lord himself would be present. Father, even allow my brothers and sisters to receive only what is from you. We pray for your anointing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to uh, p- highlight something and point something out here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. As I was talking about this, I was preparing for this. I ended up in a conversation with somebody that said something to me uh, that caused me to go, okay, let me dive a little bit deeper into to this. So, in Ephesians 4, 11, this is what it says. I'm reading out of the New Living's translation. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, right? So, We see right now that everything that's about to be listed is a gift to the church, okay? It's not, um, and it's a gift from Christ. It's not something the people vote in. It's not something the people uh, approve of first. It's actually something that the people acknowledge after God has given the gift. So this is something that's very important. We have to see it as a gift and we have to see it as something God gives, not as something people create or people position, okay? But this is, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Watch the, watch the list here. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. You do not see preachers in here. And I'd step back and say, okay, well, I I, kind of started reasoning a little bit. I ain't going to lie. I kind of was like, well, they all preach. They could all preach. No, preaching has a specific function, just like apostles have a specific function and teachers have a specific function. Preaching has a specific function, but it's not listed. Let's read it again. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers Why, what were they gifts, who were they gifts to? They were gifts from Christ to who? To the church. To the church. So you're not supposed to be an apostle to the world or a pastor to the world or an evangelist to the world. This is what's hard for people because that evangelistic work, they go, oh, no, 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 you got to evangelize the world. No, the evangelist is for the church. You're going to find people who God is drawn to be with him. You're not going to evangelize the world. You're going to evangelize the church. Are you seeing that? But God has left preachers for the world. Now, preachers still benefit the church because we're believers. So everything that comes from God, we benefit from. But the purpose of a preacher is not to sit and just tell a believer over and over again how wicked they are. No, they're to go into the world and tell them to repent. That's what a preacher does. You need to repent. You guys are no good, right? So for four years, God has been having me preach to you. Now, there's been teaching and things like that, but there's been other people evangelizing and things like that. But just to bring it all into a a sum here, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher are all performed within fellowship. You cannot trust a teacher if you have no fellowship with the teacher. You might even be able to trust what they're saying because you can verify that they're teaching accurately, but it doesn't mean that you can trust the teacher because they say things accurately. The Pharisees said a lot of things accurately, but they were not trustworthy. See, fellowship is where evangelism works. Fellowship is where prophecy works. Fellowship is where the apostolic works. All these things work within fellowship, but they don't work if you have no fellowship. How's Paul going to lay hands on Timothy and then never fellowship with him? And then try to remind him later, remember when I laid hands on you, Timothy? No, that means something because they cried together, they laughed together, they endured together, they suffered together, they worked and toiled together. There was a real unity in that fellowship. But the preacher doesn't need to have fellowship with you. The preacher just preaches. So next time you see a person on the corner preaching the gospel, don't give them such a hard time. Just because they're on the corner doing it doesn't mean that they're out of order. They're actually called to preach to the world in hopes that then some would come to God. So I noticed this and I said, wow. So an an apostle was not for the world. It was for the church. A prophet wasn't meant to go just prophesy to the world. He was meant to prophesy to the church, which lines up with Paul's letters in Corinth for what? The edification of the church. Because when you prophesy to the church and then they see it all coming to pass, they see the work of the Lord happening, they see Christ you know, being lifted up, it edifies everybody. But when you prophesy to the world, <laughs> what happens? It's like, t- it's like death. And it's supposed to be that way, Mike. Like, when you preach to an unbeliever and they don't want God, they're supposed to go, dude. That's how you know it's effective. We're not supposed to be accepted by everybody. That's one of the other false uh, ideas inside of church is that, (laughs) I want to be careful how I say this. Modern day preachers, Which are really just teachers that people have raised up for themselves. They're they're not really preaching the gospel. It's it's very rare you find somebody truly preaching the gospel. But modern day preachers have said Christianity's cool. To who? To who? I was looking at some videos the other day. um, Me and Phil, and I believe Rashawn, we were looking at some videos from Christian hip hop. And I was like, I was saddened, but I'm not judging the people because this is the state that we're in. But I was saddened because I said they're literally trying to make it relative. Church, can I tell you the gospel is not relative to the world? There's no way that you can come into the gospel in a relative way and then somehow like like stay there as it becomes more true. It doesn't work. Either the truth is presented or it's not. And the moment that the truth is truly presented, people who have been brought in by another way or another form, they leave you. They do not want what you have, right? Hold on, let me just go over real quick. I'm just gonna read John 18, Go, go there real quick. Just a little side note, Holy Spirit's moving right now. I wanna show you what Jesus did in John 18. John 18, verse 19 and 20, watch this, well, 19 through 21. Inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Jesus replied, everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me, they know what I said. He didn't go, oh, my bad, bro. Let me just try, let me try to change this around and say it in terms you understand. He's saying, what, what are you talking, I've spoken plainly to you. And what does he mean by that? I'm the son. I'm the way. I'm the lamb slain. Like everything that he's ever declared, he was like, I didn't keep quiet. So why are we trying to finesse people into the kingdom? If Jesus was like, yo, it's very clear who I am, what I am, why I'm here, go ask them. They'll tell you exactly who I am. what I, when, when I see that, go ask them. I see myself. I see Jesus saying, go ask Tony what I teach. And I go, no, I can't wrap it up into this kind of package to entangle people into some enticement. I have to stop that, lay down my wrapping, lay down my tools and say, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way you can get to heaven or to the Father but through him. This is who he is. You're going to hate him in your flesh, but he can teach you how to love him in the spirit. Amen. Like, there's no getting away from it. You got pride, you got lust, you got greed, you got all those things that he died for. Like, it needs to be that simple and plain. You, there should be no, like, oh, well, I'll tell you about that later. Just Jesus loves you. Come on, let's first know he loves you, and then I'll tell you what you need to give up. No, it's like you need to give it all up because he loves you. And you need to let people go, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand that. You're right. You're right. It doesn't make sense. But when it finally does, you'll understand it. (laughs) It's so frustrating to people when the gospel is truly present because they want a basic step on how to get there, and God never left it that way. What I'm saying is the truth. It may be the most uncomfortable thing that you have to do is listen to me preach because when I preach sometimes it's like, you're all over the place. No, I'm not. I'm saying the same thing I've been saying for the last four years and I'm gonna say it for the next four years and as long as God has me here, I'm gonna tell you right now, your flesh don't want it. That's the truth. Your flesh don't want to admit that you're in constant spiritual warfare. The devil doesn't want you believing that Jesus is the only way. He doesn't want you believing that He doesn't want you to believe that you need a preacher. He wants you to believe that you need a teacher. We need a preacher and we need a teacher. We need all of the the gifts, but we need to know where they're placed. Real quick, go go to Matthew 3. I wanna show you something else here. It's one of the reasons why when, I, when we first started the church, you know, my background, just to give you guys some understanding here, some context. I'm going to talk about myself real quick. My background is in preparation. My background is in presentation. My background is in scaling and growing and, and meeting people's needs. I mean, I, I, I grew an insurance business. I did really, really well at it. Um, I understood consultive sales, not just, you know, just a, selling like a, a Kirby vacuum right, or something like that, but like understanding like people have needs and understanding how to, how to build rapport quickly. Like that was my skill. That was my gift set before. So when I came into Christianity, even as I was perfecting that, I was like, oh, I'm going to get really good at preparing sermons. So I started doing the whole, you know, you highlight, you put a dot, you do all these things in order to look at your paper so you can make sure you're on track. And I did all that too. And I'm not shaming that. I actually did really well at that. I'd insert where I needed to have the joke. I'd say, kind of give myself some pointers on how to remind myself of the joke that I'm about to tell. All those things that you do as a speaker, right? I did all that. But when God said to start Pathway, he said, I don't want you doing that. I want you relying on the Holy Spirit. Now, that's hard. Now, let me tell you what's hard about that. With God, that's easy. With you, that's hard. So with God, I have no problem doing that. Ah, the Holy Spirit's leading me. We're good. God, hey, what's up? When I got to get before you and I say, I have no notes, and now you're going to have to discern and rightly divide if what's coming from here is true, and it's going to force that whole reality that you can't just go with what I'm saying. But you actually now have to discern and use your own spiritual relationship with God to decide what is Tony, show him mercy and grace and throw him out, and what is Christ, let me get that. And you have to do that. Now, here's the ironic thing. The ironic thing is we do it every single day. You go to lunch with somebody, and you just move in a free conversation. Right? You ain't got no notes on you. (laughs) Don't nobody show up to a lunch saying, well, here's what I wrote down, and then then insert a joke, and you're all prepared. Don't nobody do that. You just sit down, and you enjoy the fellowship, and God freely flows, right? Right. I was at your house how long last night? A couple hours? It went like, and it was freely flowing. You talked, I talked, you spoke, Braxton spoke. We all shared. We had moments of silence. It all happened in fellowship, but it was a sermon. Everything we see written here was Christ giving a lifelong sermon. We actually take from the accounts to create messages. We'd get more just reading the account. I'm telling you right now, like... He said, I don't want you writing these notes and then following the notes. I just want you to obey me and I want you to trust in my spirit that the spirit will give you what you need to say at the time. And then the spirit will move in the people to to decipher that or to discern that on what they need. He told me that. He said, I'm gonna have you spray like a water hose. And only those, if, if they're this deep or that deep, this deep, they'll get what they need. I will do the rest. So it's, it's an interesting thing when you come up fully prepared, you come to a service, it's fully prepared. Like we had no, I, I did worship today. I should not be doing worship, but I'm willing, right? But I did, but it really didn't matter because what does it really matter if everyone's up here, or just one person, or how about the times we don't have worship? What does it matter, church? Do you wake up every single day and it's the same thing every single day? Come on. You know that what I'm saying, it's too real. That's the problem. We don't want that. We want to escape from reality, and we want this packaged sermon so we can feel like we accomplished something. No, you need a real conversation with a real God who's actually in a real body, who's actually doing a real work. And it's where the worship don't matter, the preaching don't matter, the AC doesn't matter. Hey, how many of y'all were there years ago when we went without AC in that one building over off of fourth? I know some of us were there. It was hot. It was hot, but we gathered. Amen. We sweated together. <laughs> because it wasn't about the AC, was it? It's not about the worship. It's not about the things we're doing. It's about the Lord. Are we able to recognize him when he shows up and he starts to move? That's, this is, I'm just being transparent with you about how God has me doing it. You know, another thing is it's not predictable. We love be, things that are predictable. I push this button, and then this happens, and then this happens, and yip, bing, right? Put it at 245 degree, 300, 411, whatever, and then bing, the chicken's done. We love predictability. Tell me where in here that they predicted Christ's movement. Tell me where the the Lord said that you're going to be able to predict his movement or the Holy Spirit's movement. See, the problem even with what I'm saying right now, man, church, you got to be, if you're in the Spirit, you should be praying for me as I'm preaching this, the problem that we're having right now is, is we have uh, two extremes. We have one person that says, okay, we get it, but it doesn't mean you could be careless, Tony. And they look at, at me dragging the conversation on as if I'm being careless. I'm not being careless. I'm being extremely prayerful and intentional about every single thing that's happening right now. I'm actually discerning the hearts that are in the room and the people that are, I'm actually before God right now. You see what I'm saying? So this is not about being careless and it's not about being overly careful or fearful. That's what happens with people is they get they either go okay, I don't want to be careless, so I'm going to be prepared and they try to find this balance but they end up on one of the two extremes. They either prepare way too much, put too much effort there or they didn't do anything at all. No, we're in attention, guys. Right now. Your heart is in attention. There's a part of you that's like, I want, go ahead. You said you're going to preach about preachers and teachers. Go ahead. Well, I can't, I can't do that unless the spirit releases me. I want to get there, but the spirit's not releasing me because there's a work happening inside of the hearts of people, which is why preaching is necessary. It's revealing your heart, like your control issue, your you know all that stuff that's inside of us, of our expectations, of what we think we should get when we come to a church service. Some people walk in and this, they judge everything by what they see. Well, do that with twenty churches and tell me the difference. They all got TVs, they all got logos, they all have people speaking out of pulpit. How can you discern the difference by looking on the outward? You need to hear the heart of the matter. You need to hear the heart of the Lord. You need to even now just allow yourself to be free from any expectation or free from any criticism. Allow yourself to receive what God is actually saying through the vessel. He's saying, I'm not gonna move forward right now until your heart's ready to receive. And guess what? If that's one person in the building, the rest of us who are willing, will wait. We'll leave the ninety-nine for the one. I don't need the service to hurry on. I have the Lord. I'm at peace with God. I don't need him to perform for me. I can wait upon the Lord for the one that's struggling. Come on, church. Matthew chapter three, verse one through 12. Watch this. We're talking about preachers and teachers. I'm not going to get into the teacher's part too much, but I want to talk to you about the preacher. In verse 1, In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. Just say preaching. You need to see this. What is he preaching? His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, if you did that today in America, right? and you just went out and you started saying, repent for your sins, that's all you said. What's the response you're gonna get from people? Are you gonna get somebody who comes and goes, yes, forgive me, Lord. It could happen. But what are the chances that, I mean, you see them on YouTube, you see the the preachers, right? Do people really come and repent? But, But John, because there's something about a preacher that you need to understand. A big problem with today, a big problem with today is everyone's trying to be somebody they're not. And what I mean by that is it may not be your job to say repent, but it definitely was John's. So there was an anointing on John. When he said, when he did that thing, God moved through it. Okay? Guess what? There's an anointing upon me. I don't say repent, but I preach to where people repent. In the gym, in the church, at home, in the supermarket. Everywhere I go, I'm constantly looking to preach. Constantly. Because that's what God has called me to do. But I'm not standing in the gym, repent. Six, seven, repent. (laughs) You know, it's not not like that. But, but, try it. And, and, hey, no, let's keep it real. If Dale was here, he'd tell you the truth. Sometimes, though. Sometimes. One time I was in Denny's right here at Shields and Blackstone. Were you with me? Phil, were you there? Philip, Isaac, Dale, and I feel like somebody else was there. And we're talking, and it was like the Spirit of God just came over me. And I know like when I talk like this, see, this is God humbling me, guys. I'm just keeping it real. Like, this is God humiliating me, okay? And I hate to say it because all of God's ways are good, but I I don't like what I'm about to say because I care too much about what people think. But it doesn't mean that I won't do it because I care more about what God thinks than you. Amen. But it, it leaves me in this really weird place with people that I know is there. Like, you're just off your off the handle. Like, I know Aaron's felt that way about me before. Uh, you know, but it's just the truth. I, I'm sitting in, the, it, we're sitting and we're talking, and the Spirit of God comes over me, and I said, everyone, I yelled at the top of my lungs, everyone needs Jesus, and I slammed the table. And and now you got to understand, Dale, he comes from like... <laughs> Like, he should have never came back to church after that. Just put it like that. But I said, everybody needs Jesus. And the place just got quiet. Like, I mean, workers stopped working. There was nobody moving, right? And I said, everyone. And it went, and like, it wound back up, back to normal. Nobody said anything. It was a moment, and that was it. Now, I don't know how far that went or, I don't know if every time I go in there, they're like, oh, my God, this guy's crazy. But in 24 years of being a Christian, I've never done that. But, but people will want to define you from that one thing, but I've never done that. And afterwards, the fruit that came from it through a gay couple that was there was evident. So, and I, I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole other story. But what I'm saying is, is God knows who needs to say what they need to say at the time they need to say it, and sometimes it's repent. And, and that's it. And nobody's going to like you for it. Your kids, your wife, your husband, like, there's, people are not going to like you for saying, we need to repent. Amen. But the preacher says, repent and turn to God. Now watch this. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord is coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. <laughs> And he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he for food he ate locusts and wild honey. Now, how would you how would you feel if you saw me out front with a cricket <laughs> and some honey on top, going, "Repent!" For the kingdom is at hand. Little leg pop out. It just sounds crazy to me. I'm like, this guy was crazy. You couldn't just eat bread, bro. Like you know, people had bread back then. Fish. Are you probably a common. <laughs> Locust and honey, right? And he's like, repent. He just looked crazy. He wasn't, he, you, I guarantee you, none of you would have hung out with John the Baptist. Nobody, they'd have been like, that guy is crazy. But, but watch this, watch this. Verse seven. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees, when he saw the, the religious teachers, when he saw that there was people there who thought they were right to watch him baptize, he denounced them. This is another thing about a preacher. A preacher is going to denounce false teaching. A preacher is going to denounce self-righteousness. A preacher is going to denounce anything that doesn't promote the dependency of Christ. They will not have it. They, They cannot let you lean on something else. If they see that a particular way has your heart, they're gonna denounce it. No, you need Christ. You need the way, the way. You see? He denounced them. You brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. Listen to his message. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown to the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize with you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning the chaff with never ending fire. John is preaching. Those were real people. He said that too. He said, you brutus of snakes. That was real. Like I'm telling you guys, the world needs a preacher. The world will persecute the preacher. The world will talk bad about the preacher. Here's the even sad thing. False Christians will do it. Now, I want to be really open and transparent with you because I'm talking about myself a lot today. And I realize that, but I'm using myself as an example because I don't want to put anybody else on blast. So I'm putting myself there. I'm just saying, I realize I'm not liked. It's not my aim though. I know that the reason why people don't like me when they don't like me is because they don't like the message that I'm carrying. They, they don't like the fact that I'm saying, you're a, go, you're a professed Christian that goes to church for all the wrong reasons. They don't like that. They're like, bro, I came to your church. Almost like they're gracing us with their presence. I came and visited you today. How dare you tell me this? No, God drew you here, and you're going to get the message that God has for you, and you're going to deal with him on it, not me. So why should I be careful when I'm handling something that is so cutting? Why should I be careful? I need to let it cut. Do you get what I'm saying? I I need to let the truth do what it does. I need to let people who come in with sexual immoral spirits be exposed before God and they fall under the fire of God so they could repent and turn to God. I need to let people who come in here with greed and they cheat on stuff and hide and sneak so they can be free from that. That's what God really wants. He wants people who are false Christians to be real Christians. He wants people to be real children of God. Now you guys know, like it's crazy. This could be the first sermon you ever heard preached from this church and you'll judge the entire four years. It's no different than jumping into the Scripture, reading one Scripture and saying, I don't believe the book. I don't like what that had to say to me. Well, if, if what you're looking for is to your liking, then it's not the truth, because you will not like the truth. You learn to love it, but you do not like the truth. I don't know anybody in here who likes the truth. <laughs> so I'm preaching. I'm not teaching. I'm preaching. The, the, the difference from a preacher to a teacher is a teacher explains Christ. That's what we're going to get into as we get into the spiritual warfare. I'm going to explain to you Christ in that warfare. I'm going to explain to you the work of God in that warfare. But I'm not going to preach like I am right now. Right now I'm preaching. That's what I've been doing for the last four years. And maybe it'll bring some clarity to some of you that have, I've rubbed the wrong way. It's not me that's rubbing you the wrong way. Matter of fact, I was sitting with a sister this past week, and it kind of was confirming and moving in me this whole message. And she said this to me. She said, I don't like the way you preach. Well, I mean, come on. You left three times, brother. <laughs> but you never really left. But you, there were things that you didn't like that were said. There's things I say I don't like. <laughs> I'm like, God, that's a hard word. That's a hard word for me to, to even receive, let alone say it. It's doubly hard for me because I'm held accountable before you. You see what I'm saying? So I'm accountable to God and I'm accountable to you. Right? How would it be if I'm up here, I'm talking about greed and sexual morality, but then you see me out there doing all that stuff. I'm held to a a higher standard, but thank God I'm not keeping myself. Thank God that God is the one that keeps us. Amen. Amen. But that's why I can preach the way that I do. That's why I can say what I say. So when the sister said this to me, it stirred in me. I said, I know exactly why you don't like it. Because I'm not teaching a five-point, hey, here's how you get better and go deeper. I'm not doing that. I'm preaching the gospel, and it's revealing people's hearts, and they don't like it when their heart is revealed. So then what do we do by our human nature? We pick it apart. Well, you, you know what? We just start, look at the way you're dressed. Look at the way you talk. Look at the way you sound. We just pick everything apart because the truth is lighting us up. And we're going, dang, I really have to look at myself right now. No, I, don't know, I don't want to do that. Let's look at you. <laughs> Where's all your worshipers? <laughs> why isn't there any worship? I've heard people, we had like two, two weeks in a row where we felt like we needed to pray instead of worship. And there were people who came during that time and never came back because we didn't have worship. I only know that through relationships, you know what I mean? But they're like, yeah, they didn't even have worship. That's ridiculous. It's like, well, I don't know why you're coming to church then. I don't know why you're coming as the church if you're coming just to receive something, but you're not coming to contribute. Come on, help me, because that's true. And I, I, know some, I know some of us in here, ooh, boy, we like, what are you trying to say? I'm not, get out of the flesh. Get out of the flesh. Don't listen to your flesh. What are you trying to say? Because I'm not serving. No, I'm not saying that at all. Just look at your heart. Just be honest before the Lord. Because the reality of it is is that you're actually covered in love. You're actually covered in love. But this person said, I don't like the way you preach. And I said, man, it's crazy, because who would say they like it? Think about what I'm saying. Who would say, I like what John the Baptist preached? He he preached repent and turn to God. I loved it. It was an amazing message. (laughs) No, only when you have done that, you can look and go, thank you, Lord. Because it's not a matter of liking. It's just a matter of truth. After all these years, I still struggle with preachers. Even me being a preacher. I still struggle when they talk because they're not, they're not um, status quo. They're not norm, right? They're, they're not fitting into the, my liking, so to say, or what I would want from somebody who's given that position. But they never, when, when a true preacher is there, they never fail. They never fail in lifting up Christ. And they never fail in tearing down man. They never fail at it. And so I'm always left like looking at myself going, dang, Tony, are you really doing what God has asked you to do? So in that, I said, you know what? Go with me real quick, church. Acts chapter seven. I said, let's let's see how people preached in the Bible. Let's not worry about me preaching. Let's actually look at the letter. Now, this was Stephen's last sermon. You think about a sermon, right? Think about your last sermon. What would you want your last sermon to be? I already know right now. I, some of us would be like, man, I'm going to make sure I speak Hebrew. I speak Greek. I'm going to come with the bang. I'm going to get bit, man. And it's like, you're going to prepare. It's going to f- come up short because it's not pure. Listen, you cannot prepare for being pure. Can't do it. If I tickle you, you laugh, right, if you if you got a tickle spot. You can't prepare for that. I'm very ticklish. I ain't going to lie. I'm ticklish in my neck. Don't, don't touch my neck, right? But I'm ticklish in my neck. My wife knows it, and every now and then when she's around people, she'll go, and I can't help it, right? I can't make myself do it, which is weird, but when she does it, right, I do this whole little thing, and I'm like, stop, and I hate it. I hate the way I look and feel. I hate it, but she puts her fingers in my neck. She tickles me, and I can't help it. You're not supposed to be able to help it. It's That's what makes it what it is. If you... We're adults, right? I'm not trying to be funny. If you got gas, sometimes you can't help it. I know because I, I I know cause I work out with Aaron and when he does squats, boy. <laughs> it's the truth. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, my bad. <laughs> but I know that you're see, I'm saying these things in church. I'm saying these things right now in church because they're real. They're real. See, this is, this is the thing is people don't want that with Jesus. They, they want it to be like you never pass gas or you don't have a tiller, you're not flawed. or, or in, They want that kind of a gospel. You can come here and you can present yourself to each other. That's what they want. But the reality of it is you're flawed. The reality of it is every day is going to give you gas. You're going to belch. You're going you're gonna to ex, you know, expose things that, that are in you right? God's going to come and, and he's going to do this to so you. You know, the guy that walks and you hit the back of their foot and they go, right? And they, that's what God's going to do to you. Oh, you think you're so smooth, Rico Suave, right? You think you're so smooth. Boop, and you're going you're gonna to humiliate yourself because the reality of it is there's nothing pretty about being human. There, there's nothing glorious about being a Christian, guys, not to the world, So when you look at Stephen's sermon, when you're looking at me share right now, if I were to die right now, I die in peace. If I were to walk out this door and get hit by a bus or something, I would die knowing I did the work of God. I didn't come here and try to put on something or give you something false. I gave you something real. I gave you something honest and I gave you something pure because you can't prepare yourself for that. Either you're pure or you're not. Oh, God, thank you for your presence. Only impure people hate purity. They want to pervert it. They want to take it and twist it and manipulate it. There's nothing worse than seeing somebody who's full of faith, loves God, and then you try to squash that out with religion. It's the worst thing ever. I have to say this. Your children, you think that punishment's going to fix them? Did it ever fix you? That's what I mean, brother. That's just like a belch. It's like <laughs> it's the same thing. It's what Irwin does. It's what Irwin does. It's, it's, we are too, it's too pure here. It's too real here. You know, if you want something else, you're just not going to stay in a setting like this. It's not about pathway. You're just not going to stay in a real setting, guys. And if you leave this place and you're, you, you're a silent drinker, you go drink in your closet or you do something you shouldn't be doing, you're going to listen to every voice in hell that's going to tell you not to come back to what's pure and what's real. But the reality of it is, is you get up and you brush your teeth the same, you put your pants on the same, you're a human being. It's real. Well, God is real. And he knows all of those things about us. So he didn't leave us a perfect preacher. He left us a perfect Lord. He left us a perfect way. Right, And so I'm going to read Stephen's last sermon. Okay, I'm going to just read what he said. And, and you tell me if you would listen to him. He, it's Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 28. I'm sorry, let's go to verse uh, 51. Sorry. This is Stephen's last sermon. He says this, verse 51. If you're there, say amen. 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 Now, just before I go into it. Think about this, okay? You love your dad, right? Love him, right? You love him. Now think about his his last sermon of his life, what it's gonna be like. It ain't gonna be at a pulpit, probably not, right? It's gonna be in some other situation. And you're gonna remember the words before he died. You're gonna remember them. And if his words meant nothing before he died, you're gonna remember the ones that meant something. You really are. You love him, right? You know his quirkiness. You know his attitude. You know when he's mad. You know the face he makes when he gets mad. You know when he gets happy. You know when he really is happy. Like, in, it's a certain expression that it's like, that's joy. That's, you know, it doesn't come all the time, right? Like that stone cold look right now, like that's, right? But you love Regina, right? Now think about her. You know everything about Regina. You, you know her, man. You know when she's feeling herself and when she's not feeling herself, right? You, you know when she feels like she just did a great job at, at her job or something, and when she feels like she didn't do that well? Like, you, you understand the person. This is Stephen, guys. He, there were people that knew him. There were people that he was a real person, with, like, just like you and I. You see what I mean? Like, sometimes we overglorify them to a place like they're not just like us. They, just like you and I. And this was his words. This, he didn't spend 20 years preparing this final sermon. The Spirit of God came upon him and he gave this final sermon. Now watch this. Powerful. He says, verse 51, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? Doesn't doesn't that kind of sound like John a little bit? Because the same Spirit that was in John is upon Stephen. And that same spirit is supposed to be in us if truly we belong to God. Now, of course, you're my brother and sister. Like, If if I sit with you guys, I'm not going to just tell you you're heathen at heart. I'm not going to do that. You're saved, right? But you bring somebody else who's leading people astray, and I will tell them, yes, you're stubborn and heathen at heart. I I will have no problem telling somebody who's leading people astray that they are false in what they're doing. But people who are saved, I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna hang with you. We're gonna repent together. We're gonna walk through everything together. We're gonna do life together. But for those that are leading people astray, you need to repent. (laughs) You need to turn from your ways. Now listen, this is who he's talking to. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's powerful. That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. Now, when the flesh is listening to this sermon, they go, are you saying you're a prophet, Stephen? Because this is what people do. This is what people do in their flesh. Look, if I come to somebody and I speak for the Lord and I say, you know what? I say, you name one prophet that your ancestors didn't persecute or that they didn't, whatever. You say, that's the case. You would say, oh, so you're saying you're a prophet? It's like when I tell you like, man, Jesus loves you. Oh, what are you trying to say? You listen to Jesus? You hear from Jesus? People in their flesh just want to tear you apart. They don't want to receive it. No, I'm saying they don't want to. They don't have the ability to. They can't. When you speak for God, people, what do you think? Who do you think you are? Because they actually think they're they're somebody. It's it's what happens. But he still preaches it anyway. He says, name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the one... (laughs) Who predicted the coming, the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fists at him in rage. Verse 55. Now, I, I'm just saying, real quick, they shook their fist in rage. It's what all of us do, it's what everybody does. That's what we do in our flesh. Our flesh is like this. Let me tell you another thing. Let me, let me tell you another thing that happens. When people are in the flesh, they only go to two extremes. Either they're gonna outright hate you and they're just gonna tell you you're off and you're whatever and they're gonna just slander you and the ministry and everything else or they're gonna pretend that they agree with you but they'll slander you behind your back. They're gonna, they're gonna present flattery. Oh, powerful. That was awesome. Great service today. Great. But when they leave... They're not talking like that. Flattery is from Satan. Coming and telling somebody they did a great job, if you don't have fellowship with them, you have no business telling them that. Unless you can really see that it's the Lord and you can put it on God, you really have no business flattering people. If I don't know you and all you did was give me a sermon, I could say the sermon was great. But if I need to know you to be able to say, man, God's really working in your life. Well, oh, you're, you're an amazing individual. Uh, to be able to edify you like that, man, you're amazing. God is with you. He loves you. You're the apple of his eye. To be able to say that kind of stuff, you can't do that based on a sermon. If anybody walked up to me after this sermon and says, brother, you can preach. You got the gift. I'm like, I don't know you. You know what I mean? I'm always like, what do you want? Seriously. Because, because why are you flattering me? Just tell me what God's speaking to you. Now, I'm, I'm Being sensitive because I realize some people are just pure. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm not talking about the pure person who doesn't know what to say. I'm talking about the person who's wicked, stubborn, full of evil, and they don't like the message, but they come and they try to make it appear like they do. I'm talking about that person. I'm talking about the person who puts on the front that they're a Christian, but they're really not genuinely loving God and living for God. I'm saying that person needs to be rebuked. That person needs to be corrected, needs to be told that you're not having a genuine heart right now. Amen? Amen? And then he'd be told that from a preacher, unfortunately. It's just how God did it. Now, watch, watch, watch this. He says, verse 55, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the, in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now, I, I think that's amazing in light of what he just said. <laughs> because we wouldn't necessarily picture Jesus showing himself to somebody after they just said, You heathen but he did and he, and he sees him and, and Stephen can't help himself. Verse 56, and he told them, look, I see the heavens opened, and the son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of the young man named Saul. Verse 59, as they stoned him, Stephen said, "He prayed this, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit." He fell to his knees, shouting, "Lord, don't charge them with this sin!" And with that, he died. You think about that sermon, guys. It's written forever. Like, do I need to really preach? He's preaching it right here. He died doing that. He he took his last breath of doing that. One more set of scriptures, and then I'm done. Go to Luke ten. Trust me, I had other things written down here, but um, uh, yeah, I just feel like the Lord is definitely not letting me go into all of it. But Luke 10. Now, in Luke 1 through 12, you can read it later if you want, but Jesus takes the 72 and he sends them out two by two. Now, he did not send these 72 two by two to teach anything. He sent them to preach. And he says, when you go into the city, I want you to preach I want you to go and knock on the doors. And if they receive you and they receive your message, what do you do? What's the scripture say? You're supposed to stay with them. But if they reject you, what are they supposed to do? Oh, Everybody knows that part. Why didn't you know the other part? The other part's better, man. You get to sit and eat with them and fellowship with them. But you dust off your feet. You go outside the city and you say the kingdom of God has come to you and you move on. Now, a couple things here, okay? And I guess now I'll do a little bit of um, shining some light on some stuff. Some of us stay in relationships longer than God has called you to. You keep knocking on the same door they've already told you no. You keep trying to tell them about the Lord they told you they don't want him. You need to move on. You need to go to people who are actually gonna listen to you. You need to move on. God has a people that you actually can do life with that are gonna listen. Now, In the effort of preaching, you have the preaching, which is, okay, we'll say the knocking on the door. The evangelism part happens in fellowship. So it happens when you're in the house, breaking bread, and they're now becoming what we would call a convert, right? But that's what happens. It happens while you're doing life with somebody. They've already received your message. They've already received the message of the gospel. They didn't reject you, right? You can't evangelize people who reject the gospel, You can only evangelize those that have received the gospel. And then from there, you have the teaching, which comes afterwards. It helps to build and equip so they can then go and do the same thing. Do you see that? But what happens, just just to reveal the heart a little bit here, is that when somebody comes into a relationship, and um, some of us, it's like literally you're looking for a marriage. You're looking for like a companion. And, and you want that companion to receive what you have, but you desire the companion more than you desire them to have Christ. You do, you desire, so you're, you're just banging on that door. Well, if you just come to church with me, well, if you just do this with me, well, you know what, he said he's gonna come to church, she said she's gonna, and you just keep banging, God says, get rid of the relationship. They've said no to Jesus. They've said no to Christ. Like you, you're you're, <laughs> you guys already know, if a city rejects you, And you stay in that city? (laughs) You ain't going to have it, man. You're going to have everything in your food when you go and order at the restaurant. Like, they don't like you. They know why you're there. Why would you stay? Why would you stay in that relationship? God said, and move on. Amen. It's true what I'm saying what i'm saying some of us hold on to stuff too long god is also saying even right now um, <laughs> i had a conversation with uh hannah i was talking to hannah and we were fellowshipping and and i looked at her and i said you know hannah i said people avoid fellowship only for a couple reasons there's only a couple reasons why and i'm not going to say that there's not another that i don't know of i don't want to be like that but i'm saying what i have found is most common with people It's two reasons why people don't gravitate to fellowship. The first reason they don't gravitate to fellowship is because they don't want to be exposed. They know that if you sit and get to know somebody, and Maribel, you start liking them, and you're laughing with them, you're going to have to get serious at some point. They know it. Deep down in their hearts, they're like, I don't want to have that serious conversation because I got a lot of stuff inside. Like, I'm doing a lot of things I shouldn't be doing. I don't want to be exposed. So that's one reason why people avoid fellowship, because they don't want to have to say, I got a bunch of baggage. Now, I'm looking around the room. Everybody got baggage in here. There is not a perfect person. Nobody's perfect. Nobody. But fellowship helps you to alleviate some of that baggage. Fellowship helps you to get free. God uses fellowship for that. But the other reason why people don't like fellowship, because then their calling gets real. Now, everything you say that you are, you actually have to prove that. So if your Facebook posts all say how much of a Christian you are, but you ain't really. <laughs> when you go into fellowship, but you got to prove all that, though. All that has to be real for you. <laughs> Is that true? You just a Facebook preacher. That's a problem. Right? Right? So people don't want to have to actually do what they're called, but do you see how they both, they both work against each other? You have a true calling of God that's on a person that's supposed to be doing something for God, but they're sinning and they got all this stuff in their, in their life that they don't want to get rid of, but then, but then they're afraid to be exposed because then they actually have to respond to the call, but they don't want to do that because they don't want to be exposed. And you see how it just goes on and on and on? This is why preachers exist. So here's what preachers do. Preachers break up the ground. Preachers come and turn over the ground. Pre- preachers come and shed light into the room and you don't like it. It's like a raid. What's going on? Hey, there you go. What is that? Right? Like, that's what preachers do is everybody feels like that. Oh my God, I'm, God really sees me. This man, don't look at me. right? If I come over and I start squinting, don't look at me. right? You know, yes, I'm gonna look at you and I'm gonna look straight into your soul because you need that. You need people who see you right? Like you two, you two brothers came last week. You don't know why you're here. You really don't. You might think you know why you're here, but you really don't know why you're here. And when you came in, the Lord immediately began to reveal to me the things that you battle, the things that you struggle with. I started praying for you. I started literally praying for you because even as I started talking, the flesh was just like, didn't know what to do. And you couldn't help it because when you're exposed in the light, that's what the flesh does. And let me tell you, there's many people who've come into these church services and they've been given a word, been given, told something. You see all the words that I just read today? The two, the two accounts? Did they do that privately? No. They called them heathens in a, in a, hold on, they DM'd them. That's what they did. They went to them privately and called them a heathen. That's what, they, it was public. It was public. In a public place, they said, this is exactly what you are. And those people, they cared about what people thought. And that's why they didn't come back because they didn't want to be seen, they didn't want to be known, they didn't want to come back. But the Lord began to give me things for the both of you. You know, the work-based mentality doesn't work. And that just came from our conversation. But the work-based mentality doesn't work. Just simply giving somebody something in in the natural doesn't free them from anything. A lot of times, it enables them. And you don't know this, but I do, because I was there. I went with somebody's jack-in-the-box. Where's Rashawn at? Is he here? Yeah, okay. So I went with Rashawn, and I, I think it was Rashawn. Yes. And we went, anyway, we went to Jack in the Box because I went to do some work. Stopped at Jack in the Box and this homeless guy walks up to me. And this is this is the day after you had came and I know the, the, nothing against the brothers here, by the way. I'm just being honest about the statement. You're helping people. I see that you're helping people and that's good. And it is good to help people, amen? Amen. 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 So this is not a, a matter of that. But the Lord is saying we need to help people spiritually, not physically. The physical piece comes later. The spiritual piece has to come first. Because there's people who are really taking, they will really take advantage of a church. Yeah. Yeah. They will sap it of all of its resources and not care and not bat an eye. And God is not looking for that. God is wanting the church to be fruitful. So when people look at it, they say, man, they really got their stuff together. It's really blessed, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me why the next day I run into this homeless man and he has a drink in one hand and he has something else in his other hand. and He goes, hey, uh, can I get some food? Spirit of God, Spirit of God was on me. I said, no. I can't give you food because the spirit that this man was operating in was demonic. And so I said, I go, no, I can't give you food. And he goes, I left a Bible over there for you. Maybe you can learn something and walks away entitled. Now me giving him food would have never won him to the gospel. As a matter of fact, me giving him food would, would have been me turning a blind eye to the real need the man had. The man needed to be told no but not for the sake of saying no, but so that the spirit could be exposed. So I knew how to pray for him. So Rashawn knew how to pray for him. I mean, we walked away from that and I go, dude, that's what I'm talking about. One day before the intentions are pure, the heart is pure and I know you meant well, but the truth of what I was walking in and what I was praying for was saying, but that's not it because we have to give people spiritual food. Even if they reject you for it, Even even if they mock you for it. Why would he, he didn't know I was a Christian. He didn't know I was a pastor. He didn't know anything about me. And he said, I left the Bible. That's the devil. Yeah. Yeah. The devil mocking God. Let the Bible over there. Maybe you learned something. Man, I felt so burdened for that man. I was able to pray for that man. When I, I was able to pray for him in a way that I would not have been able to pray for him had I just told him yes. Because I said no and that manifested, I was able to intercede on his behalf. Father God, would you free this man from that demonic spirit? Because that's what his soul really needs. His body doesn't need food. His soul needs the Lord. But how, how dare we? I'm going to close. How dare we make it about us doing a good deed? Like, I would be so wrong to do that. That man needed a preacher. He didn't need a provider. He needed a preacher. He needed someone to free him, to tell him, to expose him. That's what, need, that's what preachers are for. Teachers come later. I know I said preachers and teachers, but... Whatever, I don't even care at this point, to be real honest with you. So I pray that this, me- this message stir in you. I pray that, that you allow this, this last of preaching, because we're gonna go into some teaching, and I can't wait for it, it's gonna be really good, but that you would allow this to expose you, you would allow it to reveal whatever it needs to reveal. If you guys come back, great. If you don't, great. It's whatever God's will and plan is for you, but I'm actually thankful that he used the both of you. He used you last week to, ha- to, to work some things even in my heart. And that's real. So may the Lord have his way. Amen. Do you guys believe that the Spirit's moving right now? Like moving. He moved for you last week. That was powerful. I'm just glad you came back, brother. I'm I'm serious. I'm just glad you you came back. See, it's the spiritual condition, Mirabel. It's the spiritual condition. It's never been about your physical needs, right? It's never been about your life here. It's always been about the Spirit, sister. How long have we known each other now? Been years, right? Since seventh grade. Since seventh grade? I don't even know how you ended up out in Fresno, but we ended up out here together. But back, back in seventh grade, I wasn't the best of people. <laughs> and through high school, I wasn't either. But isn't it amazing that this whole time, look at God, and this whole time, it's never been about the physical need. It's always been about the spiritual needs, which is why you are drawn constantly. Whenever you can, lift up Maribel and her family in prayer, right? I don't know if you've ever been through a season of warfare, but we've all been through things, and that's real, amen? But that season's going to come to an end, you know? There's going to come a time where the Lord's going to give you a whole different season. It'll have its own problems and troubles, too. but. But I love you, sister. We love you. Stay away from anything immoral. It's, it's the sexually immoral piece that shatters a man. It causes them to have perverted eyes. It's caused them to think. And I'm not talking just about doing it, I'm talking about the obsession. I'm talking about you can't even look at a woman. Any men been there? Yes, Lord. You, can't even, you can't even look at your sister. The Lord does not desire for his children to be bound up by a sexually immoral spirit. Amen. Right? And you got to understand that. Like if you're, if it's showing brother trust, you are so loved by God that he would even do this. But he doesn't want you bound up with (laughs) Jezzy. She is no one to play with. And that spirit's real. But there's a calling on your life. There's a true calling on your life, which is why God is even having me say this. There's a true calling on your life to do a real work, but it's not going to come attached to that spirit. Amen. That's your dad, right? Glory to God, brother. Glory to God. God just did something for you in that that you couldn't do because it wasn't for you to do. And it's just another confirmation to why we need preachers. We need people who are filled with the Spirit, who can discern these spirits, who can look at that and say, no, I'm not casting you out. God is bringing you in. God is bringing you in. So if there's... Any place that you could have been told that word, this was the place. Because this is the place that's going to show you the love that you need. Amen? I may never see you again. You're not even promised tomorrow. That's the word, though. He said, you heathens. (laughs) And all of us said, yes, that was me at one time. He says, I don't want you attached to a sexually immoral spirit. And all of us know that was us at one time. So, so God has freed us and set us free. So we're not quiet about it. And anybody who comes, my God, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Anybody who comes and then runs from the light was never wanting it. This is what it looks like to be exposed, guys, as a church. If somebody's with me say amen, because I can't be alone in this. This is so true that it, it, it's, it's all there is, is we're exposed in light. Jeremy and Sydney. I've been spending some time with you now. And I want to say something. Sydney, there is such a, I'm talking a special plan for you. When you see like God revealing stuff to people and you didn't say nothing, and it's just like, I never felt that before. I never saw that before. But you can affirm that it was God. I'm going to tell you right now, the devil's going to do everything he can to try to steal that reality from you. That last time that we were together and you were confessing and God was moving and we were all in tears, That was real. It was more real than the times that followed. What came after that, the distractions, whatever comes after that, that's not reality. The reality is in Christ. That is what was real. And so I affirm you, sister, that you are his daughter, that you do belong to God. I saw it. I've witnessed it. I've tasted it. I know it's the Lord. And yes, there's convictions and things that God's working out, but that's okay. That's okay. He's gonna bring you through it all. And Jeremy... You're not always gonna be the person who retracts. You weren't here at the pre-word, but Jesus, there was a moment where Jesus stepped forward into what was coming. And there's coming a time for you where whatever fears or reservations you have with the gospel, whatever those things that are uncertain, God's gonna solidify and you're gonna stand and you're gonna step into it. You're, not a, you're, you're a leader, brother. It's something that God's developing in you. But this all has to come together first before you guys can even be, be able to do it. But there's a true call there. I see it, Rashawn sees it, People who are with you see it, so just fight against the enemy, not each other. Fight against the enemy, not yourself, right? Fight against the enemy, not the Lord. Fight against the enemy because the Lord is with you, amen? You just needed to have it done publicly. It's different if I do it in private. We have a relationship there. You need to see it. That way, this church can be praying for you, and there can be an affirmation from everyone saying, amen, amen, Oh. Chris and Rebecca, I love you guys. I'm just saying I had dinner with them the other night. It was awesome. And God moved on Dustin. That was powerful. I want to share that at another time, but that was amazing. So anyway, God is just having me do this right now because you have to see fellowship is real, right? It's not like just a bunch of people showing up in a church and then we all leave and we have no relationship. Amen. Amen. Fellowship is real and God is good. And Nicole, your transformation is far more than outward. God is doing something inside of your heart, and, it's, and I believe that Mike's seeing it. I believe that, I haven't even spent time with you since we've been at your house that last time, but I believe by the, by the move of the Holy Spirit that this outward change is because there's something happening truly on the inside of you. And the Lord is, he's, he's letting you taste a little bit of that outward even even just in your peace and things like that. But the Lord is saying, I'm doing something greater on the inside. He's actually preparing you. Mm. He's actually preparing you for trial. He's actually preparing you for, because you're surrendering it at the same time. He's gonna let you taste it, but he's gonna take that back. And I don't know what that looks like, but it's gonna be more in the heart posture than it is in the physical. But the Lord is doing a work in your life that he hasn't done since the beginning. When, I don't even know how long you guys have been coming now, but there's a different season you're stepping into right now that where God is actually giving you what Mike's been praying for. Like, this relationship's going to grow in Christ. Matter of fact, you're going to argue different. You're going to fight different. There's things that are going to happen that's going to happen differently, and you're not even going to know why. You're going to be like, whoa, I'm just quickened here, because God is going to do it. God is going to do it. When it happens, I want to hear about it, okay? I, I want to hear the testimony of that coming back this way. Amen? Okay. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you for this service. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I pray we walk away edified. I I pray we're not spectators, but we participate in the very work that you're doing. And I pray for the, the seed that's been watered today to increase. I pray for seed to be planted. And I pray for your will to be done. We ask for all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Love each other. Mean it when you do it.